Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Shush, the podcast from East Lothian Libraries. My name is Derek France, I'm the school librarian at Preston Lodge High School and for this episode I had the privilege of speaking with Nicola Davies, zoologist and author of many award-winning books for children such as The Big Blue Whale, The Promise and The First Book of Nature. Some of you may also remember Nicola from the BBC Children's Wildlife programme The Really Wild Show where she was one of the original presenters alongside Chris Packham and Terry Nutkins. On today's podcast, amongst many other things, we talk about her new novel, The Song That Sings Us. Welcome to the club to this edition of Shush, the East Lothian Libraries podcast. Um, Nicola, I, I think it's fair to say you are a prolific writer, an award-winning writer of what I think I think eighty is that right? Eighty. I haven't, I haven't counted them to be accurate. I think it's about uh-huh. eighty. I think I think this most this most recent one. So yes, 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 yes. Oh, you got one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's probably eighty or eighty first. I'm not. Wow, sure. Wow, wow. Sure. And am I right in thinking, uh, Nicola? That this is your remarkably. This is your first novel. No, I, not at all. Not. I actually, yeah. um, well, because I'm, it's perfectly reasonable for you to think that, because I'm best known, I guess, for uh, narrative nonfiction and poetry mm. and picture books and shorter things. Mm. Um, uh, I have written novels. In fact, my first published uh, things were, were three uh, novels for adults, which I wrote under a pseudonym oh. a very, oh. very long time ago. Um, I wrote uh, a YA novel, um, probably maybe 15 years ago, maybe not that, maybe 10 years ago, but was shortlisted for the Branford Bows um, called Home. Um, and I've written lots of other, you know, shorter, shorter novels. I've written series of short fictions and uh, more recently for Walker, a couple of novels um, about a little character in the South Seas called Ariki. But this is this is my first big fat novel for a, for a long time for about 10 years I, I i think i mean how did you nicola how did you make the the jump from you know i mean your background is in zoology isn't it uh, yeah, um, yeah. there was a really wild show and research right. yeah would you like to explain this to some of our listeners well, I, I i was i did my my zoology PhD, uh, which was about bats, about bat feeding ecology. Uh, mm. In the, uh, I graduated in 19, I'm frightfully old. I graduated in oh. 1980. Uh, and the next three years I spent doing my PhD. Um, and in that time, Mrs. Thatcher, who nobody who isn't old like me will remember, um, cut all the funding for primary zoological research. So I could see my career kind of disappearing uh between my fingers um and a whole generation of biologists uh, you know friends of mine went abroad to find to find work in zoological research but that option wasn't one I wanted to take because I was about to get married and I, my my home was here my family was here um and I think in any case I had by that stage decided that that zoological research was preaching to the choir Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and my motivation has always been right from a very small child to be to communicate with others about the natural world and its importance mm-hmm. um, and conservation has always been 
the kind of focus of that communication. Um, and so I, I was doing my PhD at Bristol. So I followed a very, very well-worn well path, which was the final PhD students who were a little bit daunted by the thought of writing up, would trot up the road to the Natural History Unit, knock on the door and say, give me a job, <laughs> um, which is what I did. And so I was a researcher at the Natural History Unit and then subsequently a presenter. Um, and, and as a result of that, I started writing for television. Um, and I had a, <laughs> an absolutely frightful producer. <laughs> you know, a notorious television monster and you know television is awash with monsters i have to say um he was a notorious television monster but mm -hmm. he was a stickler for clear communication and actually he really taught me mm. how to communicate quickly and you clearly and and while and when you have you know two or three minutes of an item within a magazine show like Really Wild Show, mm. you really have to learn how to get your message across mm. and mm. to choose, to choose the information very carefully that you, that you communicate. So that was actually great, great training. Um, and I went on to write uh, whole nonfiction programs for CBeebies, some very, very marvelous. I wrote a, a three series of a program called Superbods, which was about human physiology uh -huh. and was just the most fun. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I smile even remembering it because we had, uh, it was a, a, apart from, I had a male co-presenter who would just kept me in stitches the entire time <laughs> and an entire female production team, all of whom went on to be very, very high up in, in children's television, but mm -hmm. who were a total delight. Okay. I mean, you know, my face would ache by the end of the day. <laughs> We just laughed so much, and it was a really good program, I think, because um, because the subject matter was so strong. We had mm -hmm. a good format, and because we had such a delightful time making. That's it. going to come across, isn't it? To anyone who's watching the program, that's going to come across, and it's it's going you know it's going to pull them in. That oh yeah, absolutely. It was it was so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Really, well. mm -hmm. I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you've got you've gone from from writing, um, you know, research and writing on the the Real Wild Show and Superbods, um, where was the where was the crossover point where you started writing? I, and, I was, were you were asked to, were you asked to write nonfiction? Because or? I because I was um, one of the things I'd done as a, as a zoologist was was mm -hmm. spend a, a lot of time on very small boats in horribly rough seas throwing over throwing up over the side and studying whales of various sorts and one of the species of whales i studied was blue whales mm -hmm. um and actually the, the people who've seen blue whales in the wild especially back then were pretty few and far between and i can't remember how it came about but i was asked to be a scientific consultant um on a, a picture book about blue whales uh, and the the people who were writing it were both having a lovely groovy time based in the south of France or somewhere and, and in those days you know into no internet so posting or phoning in their text back from there um and and I don't I think they were probably drinking a lot of very nice <laughs> because the text was just <laughs> like utterly bonkers um and so I kept having to send it back and say oh no, that's not quite right. And in the end, the publisher, which was Walker Books, mm -hmm. turned around and said to me, oh, just go away and write it. Uh -huh. Just Good. go away and write 
way. And that's how I did my, my first picture book, which was Big Blue Whale, which was published in mm -hmm. 1997. Uh, and that was that was kind of the start of, uh, of, of writing. I was also at that time writing columns for The Independent. Mm -hmm. And I had a, for a while, I had a sort of parallel career as a, uh, as a column writer and then as a, um, uh, a novelist. Um, but that kind of fell by the wayside and I just concentrated on the, on the children's writing. You know, my kids were small. It just was sensible at the time. Um, but it took me 10 years really before before I could uh, rely on my writing to kind of pay the mortgage. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. So it was a while. Well, it's been a while, but there's also there's been lots of, it's been a productive few years, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I taught, uh, for quite a long time, I taught at Bath Spa. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, I had a, a, a 0.5 lectureship at Bath Spa mm -hmm. and then, you know, gradually took that down. So, but since I stopped teaching there 12 years ago now, then I think my productivity really popped up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't mm -hmm. spending my whole time Mm -hmm. very enjoyably but mm -hmm. um you know i enjoyed my teaching i really enjoyed my teaching and i had lovely lovely students one of my students was jill lewis another one was oh, really right, right. uh, maudie mm -hmm. smith you know dear oh. darling absolutely lovely amazingly talented uh people um so it was a delight mm -hmm. but you can also like having a, somebody attached directly to your juggler <laughs> uh, you know it was good to it was good to be able to get away from that and 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 focus on my writing and, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and just do more really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess, I mean, I, I, I think it comes across for our listeners just how passionate you are. I mean, your, your geology background um, and where you've come from, um, yeah, you're a passionate environmentalist and conservationist. I think you, you were were you trustee of the World Land Trust? For I was, I was. Um, I was. Yeah. Well, I was an ambassador for them. Uh, right. Just uh -huh. because that the the world of British zoology geeks, um, and it's much bigger now because loads of people, are, uh, you know, much more popular. But when mm -hmm. I was young, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was a really, really small world and everybody knew everybody. So I kind of knew John Burton from a reputation uh, and so mm -hmm. natural progression to get involved in organization and it is it's the most wonderful conversation it really is extraordinary the work it does mm -hmm. and it achieves from a relatively small base uh, and the mm -hmm. way it works within country partners is is really terrific it's not it's there no, it's not top-down conservation going into countries and saying right you will do this it's working well, with yeah. people Oh, I've lost you, Nicola. Oh, no. That the people on the ground in the, in the forest and the habitats that they are involved in mm. actually benefit from the conservation as well. And, and watching that happen is just mm -hmm. fantastic, really, really fantastic. Good, good, good. Sorry, Nicola, I lost you for a little moment there, actually. Oh, come oh, back, sorry. Come back nice and clear. Um, that, that's good, that's good. I guess, I mean, that, that, that's, and some of your, your stories, I believe, were based on um, some of the projects that you had. Yeah, I did, a series, I did a series of little skinny little novels called mm -hmm. Heroes of the Wild. Um, and I had um, several 
agendas, really, when I was writing those. Well, the first was obviously I wanted to tell a good, positive conservation story. Mm -hmm. um, and to demonstrate the power that individuals have, individuals and organizations can have when they are really determined and they decide they're going to make a difference. Um, and in writing them, although they are fictionalized versions, they are absolutely tied to the real conservation situation and the real story. And in some cases, they were subsequently used by the conservation organizations to communicate their messages, which was, you know, that's really, really fantastic. Mm. But my other um, uh, agenda was to write short, exciting fiction that would get non-readers switched mm. on. Uh, and then the other thing was really to give children a flavor of other cultures and other countries. Um, mm. You know, for every single one of them, um, except the two that I, the, the Arctic whale one and the East African one, I already knew those habitats, I'd been there, so I didn't need mm. to go again. But for the other four, I went to the countries, went to the conservation projects, talked to the people um, and, uh, and really got a sense of the place as well as the story. Um, and I, I, you know, I think, I hope that, that readers enjoyed that and responded, responded mm -hmm, to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's going to come, again, that's going to come across in the writing, isn't it? If you're there and you're making the, you're having the, the human connection, um, not just the human connection, the more than human connection, shall I say. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to come across in, well, in the writing. The, the other thing I was really aware of with those books was that, um, you know, I, I I looked at other books that told conservation stories for Western children uh -huh. uh, with that with that fictional construct, and they were almost all about white first world, you know, developed world scientists, the children of white first world kids mm -hmm. going in and kind of um, helicoptering in the conservation and uh -huh. then helicoptering out again. And I really didn't want to do that. I really, really wanted to write it from the point of view of the children, the indigenous children, the children indigenous of that environment, which of course mm -hmm. that's a minefield because mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm white and I'm from Europe. <laughs> you know, I'm a bloody Oxford graduate, you know, whatever. Um, so um, so I had to be very, very, very careful. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that that whole thing about cultural appropriation is a real hot potato in literature right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But I think, that my take on it is that anybody can write about anything, yeah. but you've got to do your research and you've got to yeah. be respectful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, uh, and you need to, and you need also to to kind of you need to road test the stories on the people who they are about, which, mm -hmm. which I which I did um, mm -hmm. pretty carefully. Um, so I I think you know I think I can stand by them. Mm -hmm. I think you definitely can. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I guess, like, 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 I think we can move on then to, to your most recent um, work of fiction, your new novel, The Song That Sings Us. Um, what a wonderful title. Um, oh, thank you. The Song That Sings Us. This, um, for our readers, do you mind if, I, for our readers, for our listeners, do you mind if I um, read out the uh, the synopsis of... of no, the no, not at all. Go for it. Go so for it. This, Song that sings us, when animals talk, it's time humans listen. Harlan has been raised to protect her younger siblings, twins Ash and Zeno, 
and their outlawed power of communicating with animals. But when the sinister automators attack their mountain home, they must flee for their lives. Zeno is kidnapped and Harlan and Ash are separated. In a thrilling and dangerous adventure, they must all journey alone through the ice fields, forests and oceans of Rumik. Um, Rumik. Rumik. Rumik, that's it. That's to it. try to rescue each other and fulfil a mysterious promise about a lost island made to their mother. Um, Nicola, this is such a wonderful novel. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's where to begin? I mean, it's it's one of those books that has, I mean, it, it, it's a roller coaster. It, it started, the first page pulls the reader in completely and utterly. It's 100 miles per hour. There's no pauses. It's just you're in, bang, let's go. Um, that's fantastic. As a reader, that's that's what we want. You know, that's, that's what we need. Sure. Particularly, I mean, this, I guess, would you say this is, I'm a school librarian, so this I'm going to this will be pushed in my library quite uh, quite a lot, shall I say? Oh, brilliant! The check will be in the um, post. So for teens and young adults, but it's not just for teens and young adults. This is adults, you know, should should yeah. should read this book too. Yeah. I, I recommend this to everyone. Actually, oh, to everyone. thank you so much. I kind yeah. of wrote it for everybody. Um, <laughs> I. I um, you know, as you know, I've written a lot for younger children and I love writing for younger children. I love the fact when you write something for a five-year-old, it's accessible to everybody. But, you know, with the best will in the world, there are things that you cannot package up in 600 words. <laughs> and I wanted to write something. Um, I wanted to write something that was a reading experience. Mm. That was an immersive reading experience that was exciting and adventurous but that had the real meat of a, a very important message and that by writing this novel setting it in a fantasy world that mm. allowed me to step back and, and say things about our real world and set up situations where, where readers would be encouraged to reflect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, without kind of ramming it down their throats too much, you know. Um, so it, it was a very, it was a very conscious decision on my part. Um, I, I really, and I really wanted to write something exciting. I love writing action sequences. I absolutely love it. I love thinking about the exact choreography of writing. Mm. Okay, so that's moving there and that's going there. And this is coming in, oh, and that's, you know, all of that. Mm -hmm. I, I really love thinking about that. And, and it's very, um, it's very filmic. In yes, mind, yes. It. Um, so that was, you know, it was, it was really hard to do because it was hard to keep the belief in my ability to do it, actually. That's the most yeah. difficult thing. Um, you know, I can maintain my self-belief for however long it takes to write a picture book, but doing it for 105,000 words was a real big ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, it works. I mean, I mean, the words literally dance off the page in here. Oh, you know, they, 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 they so really do. I mean, not 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 just. I mean, you, you talk there about the, um, the the action scenes that you enjoy you enjoy writing, and it is full of action and thrills. 
Um, and you talk talks about the, the the filmic quality of these, and there certainly is. Again, I mean, from the, from the first sentence of the book, you know, it was it was here. The images were in my head. I could see the characters. I could see the environment. I could see the animals, um, and immediately thought of of it as a movie or or a TV series. Actually, interestingly, um, however. What also, um, for me as a reader, what also, um, what I also loved about this book was the lyrical quality of the of your writing. The, the, it's poetic, you know, your your choice of words. Your there's certain phrases, there's certain uh, little uh, word word choice that you, the, the choices that you've made that just that fit so well. I'm trying to. I've got so much, I've half the book here in my hand. Listeners obviously won't see this, but I've got so many post-it notes in here at the moment. Oh, I love a post-it note. <laughs> um, I guess one of the I get one of the questions that I could ask you then is the names of the characters themselves. We've got Harlan, the main characters. We've got Harlan. We've got Ash, and we've got Zeno, and then also Mayo actually to some extent. I'm not going to go into anything at the moment about. Um, Harlan Ash and Zeno's mother, um, but the names themselves—I mean, those are fascinating. Zeno names names are so so important. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. um, I, sometimes names just come. Harlan mm -hmm. Ash and Zeno—I don't know where they came from. They ah. were there. They just mm -hmm. were there. Mm -hmm. um, but names—I—I I, I take a long time thinking about names, and and for this book because it's set in an alternative reality mm -hmm. i didn't want anything that had you know all names that we know normally you know we've all known we've all known a you know a nigel we've all known a whatever <laughs> um and i wanted the names not to have any baggage mm -hmm. and i also wanted the names to sometimes have a flavor of another mm -hmm. culture now interestingly mm -hmm. i'm actually writing the prequel to this now Oh really? Uh, I'm wow. just, just eight thousand eight hundred eighty-six words in, <laughs> as of five minutes ago, um, and so I'm having to to name characters and mm -hmm. think. I do, I do lots. I use Google Translate a lot. I look at mm -hmm. translations of words in lots mm -hmm. of different languages and languages in the in the regions that have the kind of flavour of the place that I want, uh, mm -hmm. and play around with that. Uh, mm -hmm. And that that helps to generate things. But when you when you found a name, that's right. It's the sweet mm -hmm. spot, you know. You know, it's, it's it. there. Uh -huh. that's, that's it. That's that's what she's called. That's what he's called. So. Nice. Because I mean, I I don't know if you want to do this just now, but I mean, some of the names Harlan. I mean, I I, I, I did a little bit of research as you do, and I couldn't find anything. I was thinking Harlan. It's such an interesting name. Then I did find one thing. Oh, um, did you? One thing, and it may may or may not be related. This may just be maybe completely coincidental, but um, one of the meanings of the thing was meadow of the hares. Isn't that gorgeous? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my god, that's fabulous, and that's absolutely mm. right for her as well. Actually, funny, I'm reading I'm reading Anthony Dewar's um, wonderful, wonderful most recent novel, uh, Cloud mm. Cuckoo Land. Absolutely beautiful, uh, uh, and he's got a character called Zeno, uh -huh. who is actually really like Zeno. He spells he spells his with a Z though. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And his one is very much derived from um from Greek language and mythology. Uh, yeah. but it, yeah. it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. 
It is, it is. But it's interesting. I mean, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about, um, you know, language, words, names, communication here. And that's one of the other, for me, anyway, it's one of the other main themes of this book um, is the, I guess, both the, how do I say this, both the, the necessity and importance of, of language and names and communication and, and naming things, you know, the, the humans, us as humans or the characters in the book as humans, naming things, the importance of that, but also how in some respects that there's a, there's, there's a, there's a contradiction in some ways, in some respects, that also pushes those things further away. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I, 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 thought, I thought a lot about that. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought a lot about it in the, the kind of, I say the research phase, the research mm -hmm. phase of that book mostly consists of me staring out the window and going, <laughs> um, so in the <laughs> phase, I thought a lot about um, about how, what animal what animal thinking is like. I mean, obviously, as a zoologist, I've read a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff. I re-read a lot of that mm -hmm. stuff about animal mm -hmm. communication, mm -hmm. about uh, thinking about human thinking, mm -hmm. uh, about how much of our thought processes are word based and mm -hmm. how how much they're not, and mm -hmm. and what different sorts of minds might be like and of course I've got no way of knowing what goes on inside an elephant's head mm -hmm. but I know that they are intelligent enough and many other animals also are mm -hmm. intelligent enough to if they made a decision that they wanted to communicate with humans to decide that they were going to do that and equip themselves with what they needed to do that. But then there are consequences for them. And I'm having to think about this again now because one of the characters in the book, Scrimsley, mm -hmm. uh, Tiger, is actually the star of uh -huh. prequel. Excellent. Um, and actually it's the story of his identity, oh. of how he became this rather strange being Mm -hmm. which isn't really a tiger anymore mm. isn't a human he's he's something else entirely so the next book actually I, I i am realizing as i write it is i mean it's about it's about also about environmental issues and about political issues uh, and about war but mm -hmm. it's it, it's also about identity mm -hmm. and, and how our identities are constructed and how we construct those identities for ourselves, mm, mm, uh, mm. and and to what extent those are those are mutable, those are mm -hmm. things that are under our control to change. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that's 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 that sounds great, and I'm so pleased to hear you're writing a prequel. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, just just the, the, that idea there about identity and is it you know malleable? Are we you know we create our own identities? How how much is it already here? There's a Thinking back in, 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 in the song that sings us, the character um, Tolly uh, is fascinating, I find. Um, she I don't want to give any spoilers away, but she begins an interesting journey. Um, and there's interesting conversations between her and Harlan about um, her and Tolly's father and Tolly's mother coming from different, uh, different, different angles, different perspectives. Yeah. And what forms that particular, you know, what forms her, how she got to the place where she gets to in this book. 
Um, so it's definitely, like you said, it's definitely, it's already here in the song as it does. Um, I guess uh, when when we're talking about words, sorry, words again. Um, yeah, no, no, words again. Words. The listeners, um, the listeners are uh, fascinating, actually, absolutely fascinating. How the they can tune in and and quite literally listen to the the thought processes, for want of a better description of the of the animals around them. Some, maybe not all. Um, but the words you've given this is 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 lovely. Uh, and where's my note? And I'll never be able to pronounce this, so you do have to tell me, Nicola. It's I have Siardu. To, it's what, sorry? Siardu. 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 It's um the the I was f fishing around in Welsh. Yes, right, okay, right. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I wanted mm. that kind of Welsh, Gaelic, Celtic. To some of the language, I, I mean, I'm hoping I don't speak another language. Speaking uh -huh. other languages is like complete magic to me. And my parents were both first language Welsh speakers, oh, wow. um, but they never spoke Welsh to us at home because lang, you know, Welsh was for them it was the past and English was the future. Yeah, And it's so sad, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I wish I had been brought up with that. Uh, with that old, old language in my mm -hmm. head mm -hmm. and its mm -hmm. roots mm -hmm. and its meanings, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, yeah, so Siardu is a, is a, has got has got Welsh roots. Welsh roots, it, because it immediately made me think of another. Well, you're going to have to pronounce again. Um, you, forgive my pronunciation here. Um, the Welsh word um, now is it Hiraith? Hiraith. Hiraith. And just this idea of. Um, just with Harlan Ashens, you know, together, three the three characters going in their separate adventures, um, but also together, this idea of if I'm picking up on this correctly with the, the Welsh word, but this idea of uh, of you know a home, and this 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 idea of missing a home, not nostalgia as such, perhaps maybe I'm completely misreading this, Nicola, but but uh, an enduring belief in a place called home, which links into this idea of we're all one kin you know that the earth us, every single living organism here is uh, yeah. one kin and yeah. um, i liked i liked I'm, I'm playing about with ideas here if you don't mind no, Sorry. No, we're, we're, we're all we're all written in one language mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know we are dna is a is a coded language and mm -hmm. that's what we are all written in mm -hmm. and and the DNA that is inside every single cell not only connects you with every other living thing that's around now, but every other living thing there has ever been. Isn't that fast? Yeah, that's just remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and DNA, of course, because because of the way it's coded, mm -hmm. has 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 rhymes and rhythms in it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're you there's twenty thousand genes in the human genome thereabouts uh, and they are strung together on a single piece of dna it splits up into into chromosomes before cell splitting but when it's stored now mm -hmm. sitting inside your cells um it's it's one long string it's a meter long it's two meters long sorry two mm -hmm. meters of dna in every single cell so this unimaginably fine thread 
that is the instructions for building you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, it's the instructions that would do for building quite a lot of other things as well. You know, 40% of your DNA is the same as a marigold. <laughs> you know, 90, over 98% is the same as a chimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, the similarities between us mm-hmm. are so, so, so much greater. And the similarities between human beings. I remember Steve Jones, the wonderful uh, geneticist and science communication communicator. I remember hearing him talk about the genetic differences between human beings. And he said, if you took the most dissimilar, racially dissimilar human beings you could find on the planet, Um, and you compared their DNA, their DNA would be about as different as your DNA is different from your second cousin. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. It's remarkable. It really, really is. I mean, just with with this, with DNA and also this idea of everything, the interconnectedness of all things, um, you have worked with James Lovelock in the past, haven't you? Yeah, I I did talk about... uh, more than 10 back in the cop that happened in 2009 whatever Mm -hmm. number cop that was Mm -hmm. um i wrote a book called gaia warriors Mm -hmm. um ready for cop uh, Mm -hmm. 2009 and the the a third of the book was um arguments Mm -hmm. presented for people who wanted to argue with climate change deniers Mm. so it was like here are the questions they're going to ask you here are the points they're going to make this is what you say okay this is the facts this is what you say and then the other two-thirds of the book was interviews with um with people who were in all walks of life actively involved in being a small part of the solution so everything from uh, a london clothes designer who is using recycled fabrics to uh, a California lawyer who was acting uh, for Inuit communities in the north who were being inundated mm. because of uh, because of climate change um, and sort of everything else in between. And my, my object with that book was to say to readers, this is actually an exciting struggle mm-hmm. in which you can be an important part. And in being an important part, you can live an exciting engaged purposeful life um and of course you know back in 2009 nobody wanted to know about climate change so i think (laughs) there are probably piles this high sitting in a warehouse somewhere but this year the wonderful bird girl maya rose craig um has published uh, a book called climate heroes which is actually doing the same job but updated for now which is totally totally fabulous (laughs) Good, 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 good. Um, I think, I think with, with those, I mean, with, with those books, um, the Gaia Warriors, and particularly the song that sings us. Um, I think there's a, I mean, there's a warmness. There's a, there's, there's, a, there's a deep warmness. If that, that's the best expression I can come up with, Nicola, I'm afraid, to 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 your writing within in this book. Um, you know, there's a, there's grief in here. There, there's there's many many things. Um, which immediately pull, pull the, the readers in, and there's no, you're not being didactic in, in these books at all. There's no sense of you telling someone what to do. This is a story, and the story, the story works. Um, I guess one of the other, um, one of the other scenes in this book that um, 
that struck me as, as uh, particularly powerful, and it's a really short, short little little, little moment, was when um, Harlan and Tolly, although we didn't know her as Tolly at the time, are in the the machine flying over the for flying over the forest. I've forgotten the name of the machine, I'm afraid. But the um, she has the option to jump, um, and she sees Tolly or the ensign, one of the automators, um, in her her black and red uniform with the I think is it a red, oh a red is it a red fist yeah, um, around the earth. That's right, yeah, yeah. And her immediate her inst her instinct is to to help her, is to help the person who has been keeping her captive, yeah. um, to save her. And she suddenly finds herself. She, she questions it initially, and then that, that questioning is overridden by, okay, why question it? This is how I feel. I need to do this. And then yeah. she grabs her, and then you know, they, then other things happen in the story, yeah. which I won't give away. But I thought that was a particularly, you know, a, a, a good illustration of empathy and and, uh, and and how, again, just going back to what you were saying about DNA, and we're we're all exactly the same, human and non-human, and how we're all connected. I thought that yeah. was a lovely, lovely little yeah. small little scene. Of oh, place. that's that's yeah. funny because you know that's one of Jackie Morris's favourite. Oh, is it really? Oh, wow, 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 wow! She loves it. I mean, I, I and I as I was writing it because I the, the way I write is I I have a kind of overarching idea of where the story sort of is going. Mm -hmm. but from moment to moment, I am discovering it as the reader discovers it as they read. And I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know that Holly that 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 that, that Harlan was going to was going to rescue. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I suppose something in by the by the time you you've lived with the characters for a while, they're here. They're sitting just over your heart, and and you know. If you make them do something they wouldn't do, mm. and and Harlan's been raised to protect. Yeah, she's been yeah. raised to protect. She's not a killer. She's mm -hmm. protection is her is her absolute thing, and 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 also just with human nature. You know there are, there are a lot of people who are very fond of saying that human nature is horrible and our nature is to kill and compete and mm -hmm. well yeah that's part of our nature that's part of our ability uh, our ability to survive means we have to struggle for ourselves and main uh, and protect ourselves but actually humans are fundamentally collaborative mm -hmm. absolutely fundamentally collaborative mm -hmm. and i think that is so 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 deep within us mm -hmm. you know one of the one of the problems with with teaching people self-defense is that they don't hit hard enough <laughs> I think that's one of the most profoundly reassuring facts that i know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. actually for people doing that to another human being mm -hmm. it's hard mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's hard and if you get to the stage where you can do that really easily then you've 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 damaged yourself yeah. more than you've damaged the person you've hit yeah, yeah, yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I, I thoroughly agree with um, with, with what, what you're what you're talking about there. Actually, um, with this again, with this, this idea of uh, empathy and and connection and communication, the um, the uh, the poem, the small poem in here, where where, where has it gone? Um, with uh, the elephant speaks. Um, poem that oh my word that in itself uh, is again it, it sums up the idea of you know how important words are to communicate but also sometimes they're just not enough um, that, that that's what I, that's that's what I'm taking from this at the moment Nicola um, but also the moving beyond the you know the human centric idea of we are the best at communicating. We are the best yes. at everything, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And learn not, and you know, stepping back from ourselves and looking and learning from from the the more than human. Um, I like the, the you know there's in this poem, which is a remarkably moving poem, and could you know stand, it does stand by itself. I think. Um, I don't know if you see this as a poem, but I, I've got. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I wrote it. I wrote uh -huh. it, like that, and I wrote them. I wrote them sort of slightly separately from the way I wrote the other parts of the text. Right, 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 right. But I'm really glad that I left them in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really, I'm so grateful to mm. Firefly because there are other publishers who mm. I've worked with who absolutely would have taken those out. Oh wow, really? Okay, that's interesting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, 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 well done, Firefly. You know, the, the, the thing about those, those, um, the reason those poems are there. Mm -hmm. Is because it poetic language does more than words. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and and the understanding that you would need to understand the consciousness of another creature that is so different from you, whose brain structure and priorities are so different from you, you you need something more than words. So mm. you need you need poetry you need music you need a song yeah, yeah, yeah. But everything i know about animals and all my experience of animals is that there is some commonality mm -hmm. there is there is a possibility of a channel of communication and i've had many many experiences that 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 kind of demonstrate that to me mm -hmm. Um, that there is this channel of communication that is open to all our fellow, to all fellow earthlings, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. And there are also, you know, so many things about the way animals behave that we absolutely do not understand. Mm -hmm. uh, and it behoves us to be a little humble about that. When I started my zoological career um, in, I, I, Went to university in 1977, and it was the it was the tail end of reductionism. It mm. was the tail end of Skinner boxes and animals mm. a little autom automata and nothing complex about them. And we break them down into their component parts, and then we can understand the whole organism from looking at component parts. Thank goodness that has died a death. Mm. Uh, but um, I reacted very very strongly to that because that didn't square with my feeling, my intuition about, uh, about life on earth. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
And I think now, with a lot of the research that's been done in the last 10, 20 years about forests particularly, we're mm. beginning to understand that there is a, a totally different kind of awareness that can exist within an ecosystem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I just finished reading Diana Beresford Kruger's book to speak for the trees mm. and that's uh, totally totally wonderful that mm. kind of understanding that science is now beginning to construct about how mycorrhizal networks operate uh, connect trees and mm. one of the most remarkable things about that I mean it's no surprise of course is that indigenous communities have always had that knowledge Mm -hmm. you know, the indigenous communities of the American Northwest knew that fungi were what connected everything up. Mm -hmm. What did mm -hmm. the talking? Mm -hmm. And of course, what's um, what's overridden that, unfortunately, is the the, the greed for capital and um, the overriding uh, idea of progress and finance. Uh, yeah. and this, again, this is touched upon in the book, The Song That Sings Us, I think, possibly with the automators and their um, ever-increasing or you know, never-ceasing greed um, um, and need to, to, uh, to rid themselves of this so-called... Um, they call it they call the it tyranny boring. of nature. Yeah, the tyranny, tyranny of nature. nature. Yeah, the tyranny of nature, that's it. Which yeah. is, yeah... Um, but, that's, but that's what the Industrial Revolution mm -hmm. wanted to do for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. That was that was the kind of that was the kind of um, uh, selling pitch for mm -hmm. the population. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, you know, you could have all these marvelous jobs in factories, and you wouldn't have to do this, and you wouldn't have to do that. But actually, you'd be making a lot of money for us. Thanks. <laughs> and we'll sell you all this back. Yeah. You know, and and and, but you know, I. There's a there's an there's a huge amount of terrible pessimism around at the moment, and I totally understand that. I, mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. Of course, I get it. But um, some of the pessimism is around this this issue of uh, in human behaviour being intrinsically um, instinctively competitive and unpleasant, mm -hmm. and also uh, around the um, the immutability of mm -hmm. our institutions and the idea that capitalism you know you can't fight capitalism is it's just culture yeah yeah it's just yeah. behavior yeah absolutely. that's all it is yeah 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 that's all it is mm -hmm, mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's behavior and behavior is flexible yes. the one amazing 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 most amazing things about human beings mm -hmm. is we are very 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 flexible mm -hmm. and we can change it takes a while um, we're very good at reinforcing each other's bad behaviour, but we do have that capacity for radical change. Um, and so capitalism, yeah, okay, well, that didn't work. It didn't work. How did that work for everybody? <laughs> did it work for you? Did it work for me? Well, it worked okay for us, but it really hasn't worked for somebody in the global south, and it really hasn't worked for at least half of the population in developed nations. So, okay, if it's not working for us, then let's not use it anymore. No, no, indeed, and many of the, many of those um, people in the developing nations in the global south are struggling. Um, we have the Maldives at the moment, who I believe, um, I think they were presenting at COP twenty six yesterday, yep. and they were talking about the the rising uh, sea levels, which you know their their whole way of life, their islands will yep. disappear completely. They won't have a country. They, they won't have, have a country. 
Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that's the same for many, uh, many low-lying islands in the South Pacific. I, I worked in the Maldives very, very long time ago, um, nearly 30 years. Oh, yes, 30 years ago now. Hmm. Probably a bit more than that, actually. And, um, uh, and even then, the main island of Mahe had huge, huge, huge sea defences. Mm -hmm. uh, the Maldives are, are, are mostly little coral atolls. So mm -hmm. the, the, the land is maybe two metres above sea level. Right, OK. So, yes, you know, in a storm, but that's not really the, the killer. The killer is if the sea level rises so that the freshwater lens that sits above um, the, the sea is mm -hmm. pushed so far up that it just evaporates, that it's gone. Uh, that's, that's, that's when that island is dead. Mm -hmm. It's not going to support any, any, it's not going to support coconut farms. It's not going to support any kind of life. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you can't rely on rainwater. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's such, that was already happening. That was already happening for some of the islands uh, mm -hmm. in the Maldives uh, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's oh. not like this is a new problem. No, no not in the slightest. I mean, many of the, uh, the the corporations, companies who are directly contributing towards climate change knew about their um, involvement oh. and it was very hastily covered up many years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, read, I read an absolutely fantastic, fantastic non-fiction book um by a guy called Siddhartha Mukherjee ah. wrote a fantastic book called The Emperor of All Maladies which is about cancer it's about the history of cancer research cancer treatment it's fascinating oh. and there are uh, there's a long chapter about uh, establishing the link between smoking and lung cancer uh, and the denials and the the nonsense that the smoke that the cigarette companies put out there. I mean, you know, when you look back at them now, it's just risible. It's risible and kind of pathetic and venal, mm -hmm. just disgusting in every way. But if you use, if you transpose cancer and smoking for climate change and CO2, yeah, yeah, you could just read it. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly the same, exactly the same mm. process. Uh, and of course, that's kind of relatively hopeful because, of course, you know, we did eventually make yeah. that. <laughs> and we have, I mean, COP26 at the moment, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that at all, Nicola. Um, if you are hopeful of any, any positive outcomes, um, I know many of the young activists who are there at the moment, including Greta Thunberg, um, are fantastic and are needed and recognise what's needed um, and are applying pressure um, and fingers crossed, you know, the pressure works. Um, they themselves have, have said they don't expect any real outcomes from COP26 because it really is just all, for, for want of a better pun, really, is, it's all hot air, isn't it? And just um, absolute, absolute nonsense. Um, but we shall see. Who knows? We shall well, see. I, I, my feeling about I mean, I'm not keeping in touch with it. I'm not keeping on top uh, of it. Um, uh, partly because to a certain extent, I'm going, which I which is, I know, a bit pathetic, really. Um, and also because I've just got to get my head down and get this book done. But mm. um, my feeling about it is that um, 
There is a real danger in despair and gloom. I get it because I feel it sometimes, mm -hmm. but I, it makes me cross mm -hmm. to hear people going, oh, well, that's useless and that's useless and that's useless because that doesn't get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mm -hmm. get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Going, it's all useless and there's always a time and they're not good enough. And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's not, I don't care who does this place. stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't care who does it. I don't care who claims credit for it. Mm -hmm. I don't care how it gets done. So long as it gets done. Yes. yes and absolutely. any progress is good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't want best to be the enemy of better. No, 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 no. And, the, and the really, yeah. really reassuring thing mm -hmm. is that that I mean, you know, having said let's all throw capital capitalism out of the window, which I'd quite like to do, but it would be a bit traumatic at the moment, let's mm -hmm. face it. Um, is that is that investment, the smart investment. It's not going into fossil fuels anymore. No, no, indeed. Yeah. You know? Mm. So and and China, yes, you know, China still have coal-fired power stations, but they are making the most incredible progress mm. with renewable power because mm. they know mm -hmm. that for every one degree temperature rise we get, their rice harvest drops by about 16%. Mm. Mm. And they will very soon be one harvest away from mass starvation if they don't watch it. So they know, mm -hmm. and they are the one government in the world who has a 300-year plan. <laughs> no? Do we have a 300-year plan? Mm, Probably so. not. No. <laughs> yeah. That's... Um... Nicola, I could I could chat to you for hours on this. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I, could, I really could. I mean, I, and I could go through this book page by page. Um, oh, thank uh, you so but, much. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. I'm so glad, yeah. and I'm so, I'm so happy that you, that you understood it, Derek. That you really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. understood it. You know what? There's I I've been saying this to a few people because um. Very often, my friends and family don't read my work. Mm -hmm. But with the song, they have. Mm -hmm. And I might, I, might, I might have to try not to cry when I say this, but sure. I am in this book. This is, this is me. This is my soul in this mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when people read it and get it, it's like, it's like I've been really seen. Yes. Hey. And that's what we all want as human beings, isn't it? Mm -hmm. we, just, mm -hmm. we just need to be seen. Yes. yes, I agree. I agree. That was lovely, Nicola. Thank you. You're so well so much for your time and for the the wide ranging, meandering conversation <laughs> we had, which is good. That's a good thing. That's just, that, these are the sort of conversations that I enjoy. Uh, okay, Nicola. Thank you very, very much. Oh, that you're so time. welcome. You're so welcome. Anytime. Thank you, Nicola. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shush. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can borrow a selection of Nicola's books from your local library. Thanks.